Production support comes from Smithville Fiber, the GigaCity company, a philanthropic community partner since 1922 and proud supporter of numerous community organizations. More information at smithville.com. And School of Public Health Bloomington, Public Health Reimagined, addressing 21st century health challenges with a multidisciplinary approach to disease prevention, health promotion, and enhancing quality of life publichealth.indiana.edu. Hello and welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Sarah Whitmire. Bob Salzberg is out today. Joe Wren is co-hosting with me. I-69 was an idea a group of Hoosiers in southern Indiana first came up with in the 1970s. The first environmental study was nearly 20 years ago. Since then, the road has opened from Evansville to Bloomington. The section from Bloomington to Martinsville has been delayed several times, but now officials say they're on track to open it to traffic in August. After that, the next phase is connecting Martinsville to Indianapolis. Today on Noon Edition, we're talking about the construction of I-69. You can follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition or join us on the air by calling in at 812-855-0811 or toll-free at 1-877-285-9348. You can also send us questions for the show at news at indianapublicmedia.org. And today we're also on Facebook Live, so you can join us there as well. Our guests today are Mayor John Hamilton of Bloomington. Andy Dietrich from the Indiana Department of Transportation, and Steve Oshman from the Greater Mooresville I-69 Advisory Committee. Thank you all for being here today in person. It's great Good to be here. You. Thanks. Andy, I want to just start with you, and you can just give us sort of an overview of where we are on I-69, where construction stands, and where we're headed. Where we are headed is toward the end of August, where we will be reaching substantial completion on the project, and that's one of those contractual terms. Uh, when the state took over the project last August uh, and we were putting our schedule together, uh, the question was, is the end of August of 2018 still a, a reasonable date to look at for substantial completion? Because I think that's what was out there at that time. And uh, our construction management team uh, looked at it and said, yeah, uh, we, can, we can get there. Now, August 31st comes, we are not going to all pack up and go away and, and leave a, a brand new highway. Uh, it's not going to be pretty, but it's going to be functional. And I think by the end of August, we will be to a point where we have two lanes of traffic flowing on the main line throughout. Uh, the interchanges open, the ramps to the main line open and functioning, and uh, all or, or most of the access roads tied in so people can get around. And we're kind of doing that in bits and pieces as you go. We're closing this access point once we get this piece of access road open, uh, as interchanges open, uh, either partially or fully, then uh, we'll close off other access points that people have become accustomed to over the last 30 years. So a lot of folks locally are learning a new way around and how to get uh, onto what will be I-69. So like I said, it's, it's not going to be a completely finished product. We'll be around for another three, four, maybe six months doing some of that final paving, uh, permanent striping, some landscaping, obviously, because a lot of our landscaping can't be done until it gets cooler and you know plants are dormant. Uh, so there will be activity. Uh, but there will be a lot fewer barrels and a lot less activity on the main line. It'll be a functional roadway. Okay, but there will be intermittent closures. I'm assuming. I would. Doing. I wouldn't say closures. I would say perhaps restrictions. Restriction. If someone has to come in, so it's not taking six miles of a lane. It would be taking a small portion of a lane here and there, uh, depending on what needs to be done. And uh, you know, the goal will be two lanes free flowing the whole time. Uh, and in the southern end, we have three lanes to work with, and, and right now that's where a lot of the paving activity is going on to get a second lane open and then get that third lane open. So they'll kind of work their way up north. Uh, we'll be doing paving on the uh, northern leg past what we call the bifurcated area where you make the split heading into Martinsville. Uh, pavement's going down there, and probably by the middle of July, we'll be moving traffic back over onto those northbound lanes, and probably single lane configuration, but at least separating traffic back out. Okay. 
And Mayor, I want to allow you to sort of jump in here. I'm, there's got to be some relief knowing that August we're going to be getting this open. Well, yes. I mean, I, I um, boy, this is a long story, isn't it? It's hard. To, it's hard to know where to begin this story. Um, <laughs> Bloomington, as you as you mentioned, we've been thinking, talking, discussing, arguing um, uh, about this road for a long time. And I haven't been mayor for two and a half years. It's certainly been front of the uh, front of the list kind of in my head as we're looking at this from a member of the Metropolitan Planning Organization and, and others. It's a great relief. It will be a great relief when the road is um, functional. As, as Andy said, substantial completion. I think we've been told from the from the planning folks that that really does mean from the motorist perspective they don't really notice anything there there's a lot of work to be done landscaping and refining and et cetera but as you said andy the the lanes should all be open from interchanges and and such so intermittent closures is is unfortunate if that has to happen um but we're we're looking forward to it um but it's a you know there's a lot there's a lot of facets to this and obviously it's a hard hard summer right now because 69, which was to be done two years ago, has now crammed down on top of a bunch of other local road projects, and that's creating a lot of stress for for all of us and, and extra costs that we're trying to deal with to get through the the summer of 18 and and get to a brighter uh, brighter road future. Before we yeah. before we get Stephen here, I, I want to ask you about that. Um, just what sort of communication collaboration has there been in all of those road projects? So. Well, um, you know, look, the county engineers, city engineers, state uh, folks try to work together a lot. Um, there's been an, unfortunately, because 69 got delayed two years, there were several ro- local road projects that were in the queue. These projects are in the queue for years, as, okay. as, as my panelists know better than I, and you can't really redo them once you get the engineering going and staging and approvals and funding cycles and all that stuff. So so it ended up very stra- still very stressful in the city. Um, and uh, we try to work together, but, but, you know, there are times when INDOT says, hey, we got to do this, and, and the city says, we wish you wouldn't, and, and sometimes, you know, that happens. Uh, and, we, and we try to work that out, and that's our obligation as best we can to, to coordinate that. Okay. Yeah, and that kind of coordination is an ongoing thing. I think a lot of folks this summer learned about the road planning process. You know, why would you close this or why would you close? That's been in the works for six years. And, mm-hmm. and to move something or to bump something uh, is not cost effective. And it's, it is stressful for motorists, but uh, it would cost way too much to just completely shelve that project that needs to be done because uh, there's a lot of work that goes into getting it to construction and it's not just the construction side. Okay. Steve, I, w- I want to bring you into the conversation now okay. because you've been on this advisory committee in Mooresville. Yeah. Um, what has yeah. your role been? Well, actually, <clears throat> the uh, advisory board, the, kind of the greater Mooresville advisory board, uh, saw, saw its birth in the uh, Mooresville Public Library uh, back in July of 2015. And we, uh, we've obviously been following this project, uh, primarily Section 5 and, and, uh, and obviously Section 6. But we're, we woke up one morning and discovered a letter <clears throat> that said, we would like to have access to your property to do investigations and so on and so forth. And up to that point, we didn't realize uh, that we were, uh, we were being looked at for like four routes or so forth. So we got into action and started um, <clears throat> you know, trying to get, get our feet on the ground to find out what part of the process did we miss. And, um, and it turns out that, you know, when, when a group gets together, they're always negative. It's like, we got to stop this, we got to stop that. Um, we chose <clears throat> to take a positive attitude and say, what are we for? You know, as a group, what are we actually for? And the answer to that was we were for I-69 to stay on 37 <clears throat> like it had been uh, planned for many, many years. So that's the extent of what we did. We worked in that direction. Um, the NDOT folks were awesome to work with because they were they were working down through a methodology. Uh, anytime you have a project, you actually have to have 
uh, some costs and you have to have alternatives and things like that. And I think they were working down that process. If you want to fill an hour and a half from here, we can talk about <laughs> the National Environmental Policy Act of 1969, oh <laughs> which is a process that anytime there's going to be federal funding used on a major infrastructure project, you have to do your due diligence to determine what those impacts are mm-hmm. going to be. Uh, part of the NEPA process is taking public input and public comment, mm-hmm. and we started the Section 6 with the public comment of, hey, how about these 27 different ways of making it happen? And at that point, we're kind of <laughs> obligated to look right. at those 27 different alternatives. Mm-hmm. You know, some may look like they don't make sense at all, but you still have to do a little bit of study, which is why the folks in Mooresville where one of the alternatives when, or a couple of the alternatives, mm-hmm. started getting letters about, hey, let's do some investigation. We mm-hmm. have to do our due diligence. The NEPA process winnows those down. So you go from 27 to 15, where maybe one or two were heading to Mooresville, mm-hmm. uh, and then down to seven, which were finally down to 37, the preferred alternative, which we finally got into the draft and mm-hmm. final environmentals. So. Uh, yeah, uh, that's, I, I think, how Mooresville <laughs> woke up was you were yeah. part of that original, you know, 27 yeah. alternatives. By, by the way, tip of the hat to Linton Caldwell of Bloomington, who was really the father of the National Environmental uh, in Impact Statement and that act mm-hmm. uh, to make sure that those kind of issues were talked about in major investments. He came from, he came yeah. from here. Yeah, it's yeah. Bia, right? Yeah. Okay. We want to get to, we have a phone call of D from Bloomington, but before we do that, just really quick, I wanted to follow up. You said most done by August 31st, does that include the current bridges, 3rd Street, 2nd Street, and the frontage roads as well? Yes, it does. That's okay. Yeah. Now, okay. they're like, again, like anything else. There'll be the minor detail work. But exactly. Yeah. Perhaps yeah. some, you know, some final pavement, some striping, signage, and that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, and just real briefly about 3rd Street, if we want to get into 3rd Street, we get a lot of calls daily from folks who are saying we're stuck in traffic, the lights are not synced, they're not synchronized properly, and it's not good for traffic flow. We are well aware of that and discovered when we went in to make some adjustments to the signal timing uh, that the equipment in that cabinet at that intersection is so old that they don't make parts anymore and we could not get parts to do repairs. So we are stuck with that. All new electronics will be going in all new sensors and loops in the roadway will be going in to make sure that traffic does move when it's finished. Unfortunately, those loops and sensors are the absolute last thing to happen because they go into the finished pavement. So we won't see a lot of relief on 3rd Street uh, until the end of August when we are wrapping up and doing the last bit there. Uh, So my caution to anyone is stay off of Third Street if at all possible yeah. and, and use whatever other east-west crossings you can do and then come in the back way on Third. Dee from Bloomington kind of has a question along those lines. Dee, are you there? Yes. Go ahead uh, with your question. My, quest- my question is, will we be able to get to the airport in a predictable amount of time <laughs> after August? The Indianapolis International Airport or exactly. the Bloomington Airport? Yeah. Uh, who goes to the Bloomington Airport? <laughs> uh, the Indianapolis Airport, where it, I've taken as much as three and a half hours to get there. Uh, let me give you uh, an alternate route that I use whenever I'm heading to the west side of Indianapolis. And if you can make it to State Road 46. Uh, but, but will I be able to do that in, in um, Martinsville? Oh, you mean when we're talking? Well, I'm going to take you over to Spencer and get on, you know, get on 67 over there. And there's actually another kind of shortcut uh, before yes, before you get there. Uh, well, tell me the other shortcut. Well, that's County Road. Or it's a County Road. Uh, uh-huh. Takes you up through Gosport, but you pick up 67 again, and 67 uh, takes you past Martinsville. Four uh, lanes all the way the, up. The, the interchange with 67 in Martinsville will be brought, blocked? Uh, during construction of Section 6? Uh-huh. No, no. 67 will be open. Uh, and when we're building in Martinsville, uh, I'm not sure exactly of what that maintenance of traffic is going to look like during mainline construction, which will begin in 2020. Uh, but some of the pre-work we're doing is going to be uh-huh. repaving 39 from 37 over to 67 because we're anticipating you know additional traffic there uh-huh. 
But to get to the airport, 67, you go up to Ameriplex Parkway and turn left, and it dumps you right at the Indianapolis yeah, International I Airport. I go to the airport, but um, uh, 67 has been blocked uh, north of Spencer uh, a number of times, and it's very difficult to find out whether that's open. That is a construction project in Spencer, downtown Spencer. I believe that's supposed to wrap up at the end of this year. Uh-huh. Well, you're... Your question is a is a good one, D. Um, it's certainly been very frustrating. I know so many people go back and forth uh, to the airport, and of course, Indianapolis too. And it has been uh, very difficult uh, predicting that time. I'm I, I empathize with that, having been victim of that. Or, or you try a, you try a back route, and then all of a sudden that doesn't isn't available because an interchange is closed exactly. or something I've, else I've is happening. Even allowing extra time, but it does sound like at the end of August you could take 37 and and be okay. I hope so. Yes, I don't want to put yeah. words in your mouth. No, you, no. I, the main line 37 uh, through Bloomington will be open to free flow traffic. We'll uh, call it 69, won't we? We will. Yeah. At, at some point, yeah. there will be a magic flip the switch and it stops being 37 and will be I 69. Uh -huh. Okay. I hope that answers your question, Thank you. D. Thank you for your call. The number to call, 812-855-0811. If you have a question for our guests today, you can also submit your questions on Facebook Live, where we're doing the show live today as well. I wanted to ask, too, really quick about the 3rd Street, 2nd Street. I noticed some of the new intersections, Sample Road and uh, Fullerton Pike, have roundabouts on either side. But I don't think that's happening on 2nd and 3rd Street. Why is that? Uh, my only assumption is real estate acquisition there that we would have needed to take more ground to do that. Uh, it's a very commercialized area on 3rd Street, and there are a couple of commercial cuts right off of there getting into uh, you know, some of the businesses. So uh, I, I don't think they would really fit with the nature of those roadways there, but they do fit better with uh, you know, Tap and Fullerton. You threw out a date um, with, with D's call there. You said 2020. So are we going to have a break in between construction? So this section will wrap up section five yeah. and then a break before we start on section yeah, six? We'll keep, yeah, I think that's probably fair to say. We have three packages of contracts going out for section six. The first one is going out in December of this year for what we call some offline work. Uh, we announced in Martinsville yesterday the aesthetics package for some of the bridges and overpasses that will be there. One of those bridges is the Grand Valley Boulevard Bridge, which will be constructed uh, starting in probably late 2019, and a couple of other smaller projects to help with connectivity in the area. Uh, sequencing those before we do mainline will allow for local residents to get around town and to get to businesses and to get to the school and that kind of thing. The con construction on the main line, uh, 37I69, that, schedule, or that contract is scheduled to let in uh, October of 19, which means we will have a contractor on board ready to do construction in 2020. Okay. Let's so, go. yes, there is a, a There's gap. There's a gap in a there gap where there. we're not going to have any barrels <laughs> or, or anything. <laughs> yes. You know, I've, I wanted to mention, too, really quick, that this will be the first time Bloomington has had six line, or six lanes of interstate traffic or you know lanes going through it um, that's going to be really interesting to see how that works now with game days and mm -hmm. and, and other big university events mm -hmm. uh, it'll be something won't it it's a change it's yeah. a change um, yeah I mean I, I don't know if you wanted to, if I can jump into yeah. the third street for example mm -hmm. um, you know one of the uh, one of the original deals if you will and I think it was actually in the environmental uh, uh, outline for how this was to be done was that when I-69 was being constructed, no two adjacent overpasses were to be worked on at the same time. Uh, and that was, I think, Andy, how Isolux, original contractor, uh, was under that uh, restriction, reflecting the fact that, look, if 3rd Street's going to be very difficult, you want to be sure that 46th and 2nd Street are both available for full traffic so that right. we could, so that it could accommodate some of this. When, when the state and Governor Holcomb took it over last October, uh, with that August 18 deadline, they basically said, we can't do that anymore. We're going to have to work on all these intersections at the same time. 
uh, and that was not really it was kind of a devil's bargain do you want to do you want to have the interstate done in August 18 or do you want us to keep uh, those uh, interchanges not adjacent ones being um, done and, and the state really decided to to, to go forward as quickly as we can, and I understand that because we were so delayed, but it's caused extraordinary pressure uh, and difficulty. We actually, Andy, hired police officers to get out there. You, you know, it's not only traffic lights. We we offered to put people manually on those traffic lights right. to, to adjust them and get them through. We used a drone to measure traffic. We were locally trying to do a lot of stuff just to help people move through, which I think we've we've seen some impact on. But it's been it's been very difficult uh, the way that happened. We have a, a question from um, Howard Cross on Facebook about that, saying that Third Street is killing his business, and customers are complaining about traffic, and foot traffic is also down. So we talked earlier about motorists and how difficult it is, but I'm sure the businesses are really suffering. I bet you're hearing that. Oh, yes, um, absolutely. And I, I mean, I do think it's important to note, look, I, I um, Governor Holcomb has has stepped up to take take this project over, and I, and I appreciate that. We've actually, we were calling for that to happen a, a well a year ahead of that. This... This was a uh, sections one through four of the interstate were done in a traditional in-dot style with in-dot lead contracting and management of that. Section five, our section was done in a very different way with a public-private partnership and basically outsourcing to a company, and it was a disaster. Um, it, we had we had the whole summer, my first summer in in office, the summer of sixteen. Virtually nothing was getting done because of conflicts at the C-suite level, at the mm-hmm. at the top level, and and that meant that we had a whole year of really not much happening while the motors and the businesses and the commuters were all suffering from an unfinished road. So I don't I don't think you know we should not note that when government makes mistakes, and I make mistakes all the time. We know you got to own it, and you've got to recognize this was really a debacle. Uh, that caused a lot of pain. It caused traffic accidents and deaths and many, many, many hours of difficulty for people. And this was a failure in my, respectfully, uh, in the P3, that public-private partnership didn't work. ISLICS had to get fired. The state had to pick it back up. They had to scramble to close all these intersections and pinch them at the same time. We still don't know how much money it costs. And, and uh, so we're, we're, we're taking a deep breath, and we're glad it's going to be done. And it's a really important investment for our community. Um, but I do think it's a, it's a big stumble from state government. And so I want to allow both of you to weigh in on that. But I think before we do, let's take a quick break. We'll talk about that. And we have a few calls we need to get to. You're listening to Noon Edition. And today we're talking about I-69. We'll be right back. From the Milton Metz studio at IU's Radio TV building, this is Noon Edition on WFIU. Production support comes from Smithville Fiber, online at smithville.com, and IU School of Public Health Bloomington, online at publichealth.indiana.edu. WFIU News covers South Central Indiana and the state throughout the day at WFIUNews.org and on Twitter at WFIU News. You can watch unfiltered video of breaking stories on Facebook Live. And you can get a digest of all the day's top stories delivered to your inbox each afternoon. It's a free and easy way to stay on top of the headlines, plus the in-depth audio, video, and print news stories you can't find anywhere else. Subscribe right now at WFIUNews.org. Welcome back to Noon Edition. Today we're talking about the construction of I-69. We've got some great knowledgeable guests in the studio today. We have the mayor of Bloomington, John Hamilton, Andy Dietrich from NDOT, and Steve Oshman from the Greater Mooresville I-69 Advisory Committee. Uh, Before we went to break, we were talking a little bit about the public-private partnership that was in place to build Section 5 before the state took it over. And Andy, I want to give you a chance to talk a little bit about that and also explain how I think Section 6 is going to be a public-private partnership. So how's that going to be different? Am I wrong? Take two things there. Okay. Uh, 
if we if we're going to go in depth on the on the P three contract for this project, we would need to bring in some folks from the Indiana Finance Authority. And Dot's role was uh, more monitoring and quality control. Uh, but I will say, the P three contract, uh, even though it dissolved and the state took over, uh, protected the taxpayers of Indiana in terms of uh, you know the state's risk, uh, financial risk. Uh, what was not there. We have to complete it and we have to finish the job and we won't know how much it's going to cost until we are completely finished with it and tally everything up. But the contract was dissolved and, uh, you know, it was the bondholders and the other companies who, who face that risk. But that doesn't alleviate the pain of the residents of Bloomington, Indiana, who suffered through additional two, three years of construction and especially the accelerated construction in this last year since we took over in August, like the mayor said. Uh, we had a decision to make. Do we want to extend it out another two or three years and sequence the bridges and that kind of thing or get in and get out as quickly as possible and hit that August 31st date? And I think that was the decision that was made. Uh, I would, I, if I could just jump in, yeah. I, I do, first, um, I think protecting the taxpayers of Indiana is to be seen, right? We don't yet know, uh, and, and this kind of complex financing is often very difficult to unpack exactly what happens at the end of the day, uh, right. because you certainly have had to incur a lot of costs, and there was a lot of up, you know, ramp up, ramp down costs. And as you pointed out, um, you maybe the taxpayers of Indiana were protected, we'll find out, but certainly the taxpayers of Bloomington, Monroe County, and all the people who used that road were not protected during that period, because as you noted, ex extreme uh, challenges and costs were borne by lots of people uh, during that time because the P3 didn't work. Correct. Uh, and, and frankly, it was it was not acknowledged that it wasn't working for quite some time. Uh, as a member of the Metropolitan Planning Organization, we were exceedingly frustrated that we we were we kept being told everything's okay, everything's okay, uh, until it wasn't, and then the state had to step in. Mm -hmm. Steve, I, you said before you were working really well with NDOT, and um, so what do you think about Section Six and moving <laughs> forward? Well, it's interesting. Uh, <clears throat> when I was uh, driving down here. I thought, you know, there's this is really different from the last time I'd come down, and I thought things are looking really good, and, and so that was a good feeling. And then, but then I had this other feeling come across me, you know, we're next, <laughs> <laughs> we're up to bat after this, and so I'm thinking <clears throat> um, maybe we can learn from some of the things, some of the issues that you guys have have just talked about, and and try to apply that to the Mooresville, the Greater Mooresville area, to make sure that we. Uh, take care of the traffic, uh, the reroutes, and things like that. One of the questions I was going to ask uh, Andy is: is um, Have you thought about, you know, when you start moving toward the, the Greater Mooresville area, what kinds of uh, traffic patterns are you expecting? Are you expecting people to cut off on, on county roads or, or that kind of thing? Local what? knowledge will always come to the forefront when it gets <laughs> from getting from point A to point B. The state can only create a detour that goes from a state asset to a state asset. But, uh, for example, uh, if you want to avoid Bloomington, get on 46 and go over to 135 and up to Indianapolis or over to 67, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But local folks always find the, the, you know, the quickest way, and, mm -hmm. and I think you're going to experience that. When we get to construction, and, and I, I will mention that the first contracts are going to be traditional contracts. Uh, okay. And Good. in the Section Great. 6, we've broken it up into five pieces, if you will. Martinsville is the first piece, two additional segments in Morgan County, the Johnson County segment, and then from a little uh, north, well, about Southport Road up to Indianapolis. The first four, again, Martinsville's, uh, an urban area, it's classified urban, uh, brings some construction challenges, uh, as we found in Bloomington. You still have to move people around. So figuring out that maintenance of traffic, making sure we do those uh, smaller projects for mobility beforehand is going to be very important. Mm -hmm. Once it's determined where traffic will go, I think obviously, you know, even if uh, construction is going on and there's a way through it on 37, uh, there are going to be a lot of people who are just going to want to avoid it. And mm -hmm. I think they're going to cut across 39, get on 67, and head towards Mooresville, mm -hmm. which may be, may be an opportunity for local businesses to see an uptick and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, 
So those contracts for Martinsville, like I said, those are traditional. We'll put them out, uh, and they will be, uh, you know, low bid, and we in doubt will have total control of the project okay. from the from the get go. Okay, and perfect. You want? Uh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, um, I think Steve, I do. You know, INDOT's been building roads for a long time. Mm-hmm. INDOT knows how to build roads. Um, and I think, um, you know, then Governor Pence and thought we're going to do something different. We're going to outsource it and we're going to privatize it. And that was a big, big mistake. Uh, and I think to the extent that as, an, as the next stage ensuring, in, INDOT knows how to build roads. To, Commissioner Joe McGinnis, is a, I've, he's been very responsive to me. I, can, I thank him for that and working with us. And INDOT was put in a tough spot in last year to finish this. I get that. But, uh, you know, I think from a new, the new perspective is making sure that INDOT gets this done the right way and doesn't try to move it out to a Spanish company that never built a road <laughs> in America. And, you know, it was too good to be true because it was too good to be true. It didn't work. Okay. Again, I want to get there, to our callers if oh, we can okay, here. We sure. have a few people who've been waiting for several minutes. 855-0811 is the number to call with questions. Let's go first to Roger from Bloomington. He has a question. Go ahead, Roger. Uh, this it looks like it could be a small thing, but it could be more serious. Uh, about a mile north of the water tower uh, upgrade coming on the uh, southbound uh, lanes, blacktop looks smooth and finished, but you get a real kawump, 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 kawump in the last week coming through there. Um, and it could be just a blacktop, or it could be the previous contract where there were some awkward patches in the um, the uh, concrete underneath, and I'm really worrying about that, whether that sort of thing will be um, thoroughly investigated and re- and repaired. Andy, you want to take that one? Just efforts to smooth out, I think, rough pavement. Uh, that's an ongoing thing with our operation and maintenance folks. Uh, when we hear about something, potholes kind of came and went, uh, thankfully, but uh, when potholes you know, were mentioned, uh, anybody who has any concern about a specific piece of roadway, please let us know. And I'm, I'm going to put a number out, 812-727-5796. That's the project office. Uh, we're not always there, but we leave a message, please, because that message is turned into an electronic voice message that comes to us uh, real time. So if you just call and say, hey, this is Roger, give me a call back. That may not happen immediately, but if you say, this is Roger, one mile north of the water tower, we have some Ripley pavement. Could you have someone take a look at it and give me a call back when that happens? That's going to get action a lot more quickly. So if you see things on the roadway, uh, we can have folks out there to take a look at it pretty quickly if you let us know where it is and, and what the issue is. Okay. We've gotten a couple questions just about... Thanks, Kenneth. Roger about uh, confusing construction signage. And I think D is on the line and, and has a question that's kind of related to that too. Go ahead, D. D, are you on the line? In accidents and in deaths. Is, is there actual trackable, I think our question was whether there's trackable data about the number of accidents and deaths. I know you had mentioned something to that effect earlier, Mayor. I don't know if INDOT uh, has it. I know we've had fatal wrecks uh, during the during the construction period. It's uh, it is difficult driving, uh, particularly winter conditions. Un- unsafe, dark, rainy, stormy conditions can be very difficult. We have a lot of young drivers who come back and forth to Bloomington as well that may not be as experienced. Um, and uh, I don't I don't have uh, at the fingertips uh, a fatality list or accident list. I know INDOT does track that. We've had several fatalities uh, I know in the two and a half years I've been mayor. And crash data is tracked by the <clears throat> Indiana State Police and uh, I-69 Development Partners I believe had an internal tracking system. Uh, ISP does that now and you know, uh, Sergeant Durnell is very good about getting information mm-hmm. if uh, you give mm-hmm. her a call. Um, and how, how does that work when you design the detour routes? Because obviously there's a lot of engineering that goes into the final product but what about when you're shifting traffic? That's always difficult. Uh, I, I just want people to know we don't do that willy-nilly. Uh, you look at the schedule. You look to see where the paving is going to be going on or where you need 
and that kind of where the barrels are placed or where the wall is placed is always uh, tied to safety, the worker safety or motorist safety. And once they know where they're going to be and how much clearance they need, that's going to determine where barrels are placed. Uh, these are traffic engineers. They're very good at what they do. Uh, sometimes the idea doesn't always get translated to the folks on the ground the first time. And there, you know, there are instances where we will have made a move, we'll get a call about this isn't quite right, and you go out and find that, yeah, maybe uh, we need to scoot some barrels around here and there. What, what are the work schedules like right now for construction? Are, are there different shifts? Are they working overnights? We were doing overnight paving for a while. I, I'm not real sure what that, mm -hmm. what that looks like right now. Uh, I, I will say we're at full capacity, and it, it, this is the, the good news, bad news about having a, a fully funded road program. Uh, there's work going on everywhere around the state of Indiana. And, you know, we take calls from folks who are saying, why aren't you out there 24-7 from, you know, point A to point B? Uh, a, there's a budget we have to consider, and, and B, there may not be the capacity. There are a lot of other jobs going on around the state, and we have three primary contractors, you know, Crider and Crider, EMB Paving, and Force Engineering on the bridges. Uh, they have resources out and about the state as well, uh, and you can't just pull people off another job to bring them here. They're working hard. It, it may not look as active as it has in some cases, but it's a 21-mile stretch, and it's really tough to fill that up with activity all mm -hmm. the time. 812-855-0811. Mm -hmm. You can also tweet your questions today at Noon Edition or submit those on Facebook Live. Let's go back to the phones. We have Douglas from Bedford. He has a question. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, my question is primarily for Mr. Dietrich, and I was through the grapevine in the conspiracy channels, uh, you hear uh, rumors that a fair amount of MDOT employees left to go work for Isolux shortly after the contract was let. Um, first of all, is there any truth to that? And then secondly, if there is truth to that, have there been any investigations or will there be any investigations into some improprieties that occurred? Thanks, Doug. Uh, Doug, I'm sorry, I have no knowledge of that. That was before my time on the project. Uh, I, I do know that one of the project managers was a, a former INDOT employee, but that's that's all I really know. I have no knowledge of a, you know, uh, conspiracy to to go out and and do that. But but keep in mind, uh, you know. We have the Walsh crew here who are our construction managers, and they're out of Chicago and LaPorte and up north, but they're using local folks. I mean, this is still a local project, and the folks you see out there uh, are, are local Bloomington, Martinsville, Seymour residents who come to the job every day and hopefully go home in one piece every night. Okay. Thanks, Doug. Um, we have a question from Terry on Facebook, and she uh, is asking about the prospects of this and other in interstates in Indiana being told. What do you think? You were talking about a fully funded road program, but certainly then there's going to be maintenance and repairs. House I'm waiting for the answer on this one. <laughs> Again, not my area, but I will just mention that House Enrolled Act 1002 did have a provision for studying the implementation of tolling. Uh, previous year, there was a feasibility study done to <coughs> kind of look at what kind of financial you know, gain there could be from tolling different corridors. Uh, this is a little more in-depth study. It will be delivered to the governor's office, I believe, in December of this year. And what happens with it after that is you know, remains to be seen. Has that been part of the conversations when you're going to meetings about Section 6? The idea of funding and potential tolls? Actually, every CAC meeting, and that's that was a, a um, uh, you know, an advisory committee. Community advisory Com committee. Yeah, community advisory committee. Uh, I attended most of those, and my first question uh, always was, or do you intend to use the PPP model for Section PPP. 6? PPP. The Public-Private Partnership. Okay. Okay. <laughs> or P3 or, or whatever. Okay. Um, and the answer was, we're going to be looking at that. We're going to be looking at all different ways of funding that. Only until the last CAC meeting did, did we discover that, as Andy has indicated, 
they're not going to use that model at least for the initial phases. So, um, but but tolling obviously was part of that. That could be a possibility of funding it. But I, I might just comment briefly. Um, Look, we, road road funding will have to evolve over the long haul with the, mm-hmm. the gas tax and the changing positive changes in more efficient cars and electric vehicles and others, and I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, I do think uh, f- from my seat as a mayor, looking at the state funding overall, you know, we see what what we view as very misguided efforts to put property tax caps in, to do to to, to push costs down. Uh, in unfair ways to locales and unfunded mandates and those kinds of things. And there's a great concern from my perspective that uh, tolling could be could be used kind of unfairly to 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 create some funding for what we need to do to 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 build the roads and keep keep the roads in good condition. We just want to make sure it's a fair process, that it's a fair approach um, and not a way to kind of push keep pushing burdens down uh, away from the basic functions of government which include providing good transportation network it, look we, we haven't talked much I know yet there is huge opportunity when this road is done it's going to change Bloomington and, and there's concern about that there's been stress about that for decades but we're going to have I think seven intersections interchanges in Monroe County it's going to create we're going to be you know much closer if you will to downtown because of Indianapolis because of how quickly we can get back and forth that's going to create economic opportunity it's going to create some stress perhaps and and all of that planning working with the county um, is going to be so important and we don't want we we want to make sure we're working in partnership with the with the state and the county and the city together to make to make the best of that that we can. I want to if you and Steve can both comment on if you have already heard from some developers who might be interested in piggybacking on I sixty nine. Well, we we definitely see both the city and I think the county because the city has jurisdiction over a substantial number of those interchanges and the county has substantial jurisdiction over others. Um, we certainly are hearing from people about that, looking at that for commercial development, housing development. Um, there's, it's still a little early for that to, to dive in directly. Um, I think from, uh, you know, our, our looking at our three biggest employers, of Indiana University, Cook, and IU Health, uh, the, the interaction they have with the wider world, with the airport, with Indianapolis, uh, that's going to be really important. And younger, growing businesses who... <clears throat> Who want to be moving back and forth uh, physically? This is this is going to be really important and helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think uh, <clears throat> in our economic development, I know in the Morgan County, uh, Daniel Elliott is uh, is working on uh, some economic development in the in the 144 um, uh, State Route 37 area. So we have some land over in that area that would be part of the Morgan County development. And I think that's going to be good <clears throat> if that's developed property there, properly there. I think that'll be good. Uh, other than that, um, uh, the Mooresville area actually doesn't extend a whole lot further north than 144. But but I will say that Morgan County will benefit uh, from that. And it'll be quicker. To, Definitely quicker. Yeah. And I would just add, we, we already, for example, have seen from the south now uh, engineers at Crane Mm-hmm. Are, are closer to Crane and and want to live in Bloomington. Uh, their life quality of life can be improved by the access to there. Mm-hmm. And the and the flip side of that is making sure that these interchanges are developed consistent with what our community wants to see. And we, we you know regional regional opportunities initiative, which is a big regional planning effort led by Community Foundation, funded by Lilly, helps uh, us look at what do we want at those interchanges and in, in the county and the mm-hmm. city and and regional areas because what we may want at at TAP in 69 may be different from what they want in Greene County or, or what we may want at 46. And so that kind of zoning and planning is very important. It's going on right now. Okay. 812-855-0811. I want, and we're also doing the conversation today on Facebook Live, and that's where we got a question from Owen Johnson. And obviously we all know that Mitch Daniels was very involved in, in sort of the, the, ground, the ribbon cutting on the last sections when they opened, rode his motorcycle down them. <laughs> um, so Owen is asking if Mike Pence will be coming back for the opening of the new stretch of I-69 since he was a supporter of the partnership. 
I do not speak for the vice president. <laughs> <laughs> You've not heard any any sort of rumors that he would be coming sort of back. Rumors. Will there uh, be any sort of dedication or ceremony at the end of August to kind of formally make this uh, a thing? <laughs> I think the the most formal thing we'll be looking at is is formally shielding it as I sixty nine, which means yeah. the signage changes. It's 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 tough to do a motorcade down an yeah. active highway active, and yeah. cut a ribbon. It just so. feels like that Bloomington is going to need something when this is done. <laughs> Some sort of celebration or something. I, I feel, I don't know, Mayor. Yeah. I agree with you. I haven't heard the timing and plans for that yet or who may attend or may not attend. That would be an interesting uh, event. But it's, it is a big event for the community. And obviously, look, there are we can't kid. There, there are strong feelings about this. There are some people who who wish this road had not been built, and I I hear from them, and I know that's a concern. And our obligation is to try to make the best of what we have. Uh, and I do think there needs to be a a closure and a, a closure at the opening, you know, <laughs> so we can have a ceremony uh, about that. And are, are you going to have a celebration to, to start construction, Steve? I, that's what I was thinking. Maybe I need to, we need to do that as well. Yeah, so. it was very funny. I remember with the, when the last stretch opened, there were tricycle races, everything. It was a huge party, but like you said, that was easier. We'll because take that into yeah, consideration. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think right some of the motors must just say, just get out of my way so I can get through here. They, they don't want to see the ceremonies pinching it down. Um, I think it's fun to see right now that Morgan County residents can start picking out some of the, or help pick out the, some of the design elements, too. Yes. The bridge, the fences, the Absolutely. ornamental lighting. Um, and that's, that's online right now. People can go on, correct? It, it is. Absolutely. It's at the uh, INDOTS I-69 Section 6 website. I, the URL escapes me now, but if you go there, and most people in the area are familiar with that site. They've looked at maps for years and oh, that yeah. kind of thing. Uh, and I know uh, Mayor Cole really wants people to, to weigh in on that. There are some uh, elements mm-hmm. that uh, she wants input from the community. Uh, they did a really good job with uh, their aesthetics task force. Uh, a lot of hard work put in, a lot of research done, and I think it's going to complement the uh, community very well. Mm-hmm. Okay, our numbers, we only have a few minutes left of the show today, but 812-855-0811. You can also tweet your questions at Noon Edition or find the conversation on Facebook. This is something that you talked about earlier, but maybe in a nutshell you can answer it. Amanda on Facebook, why not just do one project at a time to help reduce traffic jams? In a nutshell, they're they're start they're planned way ahead of time, and there's not a lot you can do, right? Uh, if we're talking about just in the Bloomington area, correct. I think that's a convergence of uh, being late with I-69 and being on time with a number of Bloomington projects, and and that's just uh, unfortunate timing. Uh, in terms of sequencing other projects, and, and we went back and talked a little bit about it for Section 6, the first Martinsville segment, we're going to sequence some offline work first to make sure people can get around when we are doing mainline work. Uh, that's important, and I think that was kind of lacking when we picked up this project in August. It was, uh, we had to do work everywhere to, to meet the deadline, and that's tough. I, I would note uh, working with uh, local officials, county and city, you know, we, we did uh, put extra money, tens of thousands of dollars in the bridge over Country Club Road, uh, which had to be fixed. The inspection discovered it needed to be fixed. And we put, I don't know, about $60,000, I think, into that that made it a 36-day shorter project than it otherwise would. The Grimes Road, uh, which is going on right now, is done because we're having sewer overflows that we needed to fix. We've we've gone to six 10-hour days at that project in order to complete oh, wow. that, in order to get it done before the school buses are rolling in August. And and all of that, with 69 going on, has meant our, our residents, our businesses, our commuters are all facing those challenges. But we're doing what we can, as I said, putting police officers to, to direct traffic uh, by, you know, by hand like we do on a game day kind of approach, putting this extra money in the local contracts. We... We urge INDOT to do the same. Uh, as Andy said, you know, they've kind of got their contract set, They, um, uh, but but we're we're encouraged. August 31st is is within sight. And, uh, and, every uh, every we, day we get I know closer. I know you're <laughs> we get closer. Yeah, we, yeah. we appreciate that. We have an email from Robert, and his question is about the vetting process for developers. So you mentioned there are three, I think you said three main ones that you bit out a lot of work to. But what is the vetting process like? If he's talking about vetting for uh, a P3 project, 
there is all kinds of documentation on the IFA website about what that process looks like. Uh, in DOT's vetting process generally is cost. I mean, when we're doing a traditional in-dot project, we, we do all of the engineering, we do all of the design, we do all of the real estate, we do all of the geotechnical, and then offer that contract to uh, the contracting industry. And the one who comes in with the lowest price says we can do just what you said. Uh, we take the lowest price. That's the traditional model. When you get into some of the other design build or design build best value, uh, vetting it's it's very difficult on the P3 because that's when it, uh, the the big P3, what I would call the big P3, that has design, build, finance, operate, and maintain over time. Uh, that's much more complicated than doing a design, build, best value, where the funding is taken care of. But what we're asking for from uh, the contractors and the teams who bid uh, is innovation. How can you make it a quicker schedule? How can you keep things safer? How can you put materials in there that are going to last longer? What value can you bring to us? That's a type of P3, but it's a lot less complicated than what was going on in Bloomington here. And I, I would just say that, you know, the vetting with Isilux, and I know, Andy, you, the, you want the lowest responsible bidder. Um, and one of right. the concerns from early on was that Isilux bid was substantially lower, and numbers of people felt they weren't going to be able to deliver, and in fact, they weren't. So the vetting that was done at that time by the previous administration, let me say, uh, then uh, Governor Pence, who's gone on to do something else, uh, was not sufficient. They brought in a, a partner that just absolutely fell down on the ground okay. on, the, well, on the job. I'm going to have to cut you off. I'm sorry. That's all the time we have today for Noon Edition. Thank you all for being here today. Thanks for having us. Thank it's you. been a great conversation. For our producers, mm -hmm. Patrick McGurr, Becca Costello, and Taylor Haggerty, engineer Mike Pash. Co-host Joe Wren. I'm Sarah Whitmire. Thanks for listening. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support comes from School of Public Health Bloomington. Public Health Reimagined, addressing 21st century health challenges with a multidisciplinary approach to disease prevention, health promotion, and enhancing quality of life. publichealth.indiana.edu. And Smithville Fiber, the Gigacity Company. Fiber internet, HD, and digital IPTV in Southern Indiana. More information at smithville.com.